From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Monday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is great to be with you on a... uh, well, we're going to call it a beautiful Monday morning here in the Houston area. It's kind of gray and overcast, but above every gray cloud, there is a blue sun, a blue sky and a beautiful sunshine. And I want you to believe that no matter what you're feeling today about the supposed election results, maybe you love it, maybe you hate it. Either way, Jesus Christ is our Savior. His church is the sacrament of salvation on planet Earth, and we uh, will persevere through all of this. But today's program is going to be jam-packed. Uh, Bree Dale is going to join us on the show today again. Uh, she's going to catch us up on a lot of those church-related stories. There's many out. The McCarrick Report is going to be out this week. Uh, I heard that's going to be like a 600 pages. Up. It's, like, it's going to be crazy. And then, of course, uh, the Secretary of State for the Vatican, Cardinal Perolin, has confirmed to the nuncios around the world that, in fact, His Holiness Pope Francis did uh, want or endorse legal protections for homosexual couples, which is a departure of Catholic faith. So that's an interesting story. And then, of course, we saw uh, Archbishop Jose Gomez uh, send uh, a note to uh, supposed elect, allegedly president elect, I don't even want to call the guy, uh, Biden about becoming the second Catholic, uh, president of the United States. Um, he's not actually president elect yet. We're going to cover that story today on the program as well because, uh, uh, political analyst Brent Haynes is coming back onto the program. You might remember Brent. He was here during the Amy Coney Barrett situation. Well, he's back today to give us the lowdown on the election results. Uh, what is the actual status? What can we expect? What will come in the days ahead? He's going to catch us up on all of that. Plus, I've got big news. The show as you know it right now is coming to a to an end. Not that far down the road. We'll be talking about that at some point during the show today, either in the show or in the after show. Uh, that and much more. So I'll be giving you all the details about how they are kicking me out. No, that's not true. It's not true. But we big big things are coming. Big cool things are coming. I'll share all of that with you at some point during the program today. But let's get started. Let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember. O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Tim Mott. Archbishop Jose Gomez of Los Angeles, president of the USCCB, on Saturday congratulated projected president-elect Joe Biden and called for dialogue and compromise for the common good. Several media outlets called the 2020 presidential election for Biden on Saturday after his leads in Pennsylvania and Nevada widened. President Donald Trump has not conceded the election, citing recounts and legal challenges in several states. 
Though he will be the second Catholic president in U.S. history, Biden has faced criticism from U.S. Catholic from U.S. bishops for a policy agenda that includes expanded legal protection and federal funding for abortion. More than 50 million COVID-19 cases have been recorded around the world as of Sunday, according to the Johns Hopkins Coronavirus Resource Center. The U.S., India, and Brazil are three countries with the most cases and account for nearly half of the world count. This week, the U.S. hit another milestone as it surpassed 120,000 new confirmed cases reported each day for Thursday through Saturday. More than 237,000 Americans have died from COVID-19 since the pandemic began, and the seven-day moving average of new cases is now more than 110,000, which is more than double what it was a month ago. The governor of Utah, Gary Herbert, declared late on Sunday a new state of emergency to address hospital overcrowding in response to weeks of stress on its hospital networks due to a surge of the novel coronavirus. As France entered into its second lockdown of this year in November, the French Bishops' Conference filed a referé liberté with the Council of State, arguing that the most recent coronavirus restrictions violate freedom of worship. The French bishops issued a statement on November 7th in response to the decision of the judge, saying that the bishops deplore, above all, that the faithful will thus remain unable to participate in Mass, the summit of their faith, and an irreplaceable encounter with God and with their brothers. The statement recognized that the judge's dismissal of their appeal was based solely on health grounds. The Vatican announced on Friday that the long-awaited report on the disgraced former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick will be released November 10th, tomorrow. The report comes after a Vatican review of documents and witness accounts spanning McCarrick's 40-year Episcopal career after he was accused of serial sexual crimes related to minors and seminarians in 2018. And finally, Armenia reported heavy fighting around a strategic city in the Nagorno-Karabakh today, a day after Azerbaijan said it had captured the city in a major breakthrough after six weeks of bloodshed. Several thousand people are feared killed in the, in the latest flare-up of the conflict over territory, which is internationally recognized as part of Azerbaijan, but populated and controlled by ethnic Armenians. And those are your GRN headlines for Monday, November 9th. Back to you, Joe. Blessed George Naper, pray for us. He was uh, an incredible story in the 16th century. He was the son of George and Anne. He uh, learned his faith, or actually he didn't learn his faith, but he he was educated at Corpus Christi College in Oxford. He learned his faith in Dewey, France at the English College, where he eventually was ordained a Catholic priest in 1596. Now, you might remember that this is the the 16th century in England, where Henry VIII and his daughter Elizabeth went to war against the Catholic faithful there, especially the Catholic priests. And there was a a mission where many people would go to Dewey. They would be uh, educated in the faith, and eventually they would be ordained, trained as priests, and sent back undercover. And uh, they would spend their mission trying to provide the sacraments and evangelize uh, England. Many of those people didn't make it off the boat when they were making their way back to England after being ordained. Their names were on a list and people were looking for them because there were many spies in Douay and in Rome in particular, uh, keeping track of who was uh, who in the seminaries. Well, George did make his way back onto mainland England, and he did find a way in 1603 to travel the countryside on foot. And there he would, under cover, try to evangelize, try to provide the sacraments, saying secret masses, in fact. Well, he, his brother was trying to help him, William, but uh, in his, William put himself in grave danger to do it because it was illegal to hide or aid priests in England at the time. 
He did get arrested in July of 1610, and they found on him a breviary, holy oils, a reliquary, and a pyx containing two consecrated hosts. However, uh, not much longer when he was uh, searched after his arrest, they didn't find the reliquary or pyx. It had mysteriously disappeared. He was taken to Oxford Castle, where he was convicted of the crime of being a priest. And while he was in prison, he actually ministered to the fellow prisoners, trying to convert them, trying to win their souls for Christ. This was added as an additional crime in addition to being a priest. And he was, in fact, uh, given a death sentence. Now, they, they said, listen, here's the deal. We could either kill you or we can let you free and you can go into exile for the rest of your life. But on one condition and one condition only, you must renounce the Pope. You must swear an oath of allegiance against the Pope. Will you do that? You can live. He declined. So in November, on November 9th, between one and two in the afternoon, they hanged him and then they, they cut him into four little pieces and then they hung his pieces on the city gate as a witness to all that, I, you know, dare that you should ever support a Catholic priest. This is what will happen to you. Well, it didn't stop. Because many people, many, many people gave their life for the faith in a heroic way in the 16th century in England. And blessed George Naper is one of them. Blessed George, pray for us. Good morning, Teresa Kamara. Good morning, Joe. I love the old Jesuit stories from 16th century England. They were very intense. They're- I always I always think about, you know, the missionaries that came through into Canada and what they suffered at the hands of, yes. of yes. you know, just... And spreading the faith, it's very important to keep in mind, like, it's not always an easy road. That's and that's, true. and that's okay. That's part yeah. of, that's part of the, the a beauty of being able to join with Christ suffering in the cross. And yeah, so yeah. it's important to, to maintain that perspective in all of this. <laughs> Cause yeah. it's not always hard. Sometimes it's, it's just the joy of the moment, you yeah. know, being there to protect our, our kids or protect our, you know, family members who are younger and just make that path as, as easy for them as possible. And the road to eternal joy of heaven. Yeah, right now, Nigeria, this is a reality in Nigeria. It's a reality in places like mm-hmm. uh, Arabia, for instance. I, uh, I, the, the Archbishop Camelo Balin, who is the uh, patriarch of Northern Arabia, he's living this life practically right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe not to the same level, but very close, actually. His priests uh, have to go incognito. They have to sneak around to say masses in some locations. I had a great opportunity to interview him personally a few years ago. Uh, it happens in Iraq. It happens in Syria and Iran. It happens uh, in many places around the world. China right now, is mm-hmm. ha- this is a reality in China. So we're, we're fooling ourselves to think that this couldn't happen here someday. Well, and that's one of the reasons why I think it's very important. Uh, and I've been thinking a lot about this over the weekend, like building that community of people that yeah. you know, like people that um, you can trust and people that, you know, not not to be exclusive, like, oh, we don't talk to anybody else and we're isolationists. Like, it's the opposite. It's yeah. being able to be that... Um, that coffee bean in the boiling water rather Whoa. than a uh, a boiling coffee bean. I'm trying to think about that <laughs> rather than or or you know just basically penetrating through society yeah, whenever man. you're under pressure rather than just becoming hardened and so sure. so it's going to be I think it's going to be a time of great renewal for the church potentially yeah. Amen. Um, and unfortunately in the healing process like with the McCarrick report it's going to take a lot of cleaning up yeah. um, cleaning up of a very very deep very large wound and so. Yeah. Um, it's going to be important not to um, 
not to take it out on people who are innocent and not to take it out on people uh, who don't have skin in the game, if you will, um, and uh, just um, you know make sure that the focus is on healing. Yeah, amen. So. Speaking of martyrs and uh, you know p- hidden masses, secret masses, mm-hmm. back in the catacomb days. Uh, over the weekend, I wa- I watched. I, you know, I like to watch movies, so I watched. Mm-hmm. I finally, watched. I dragged my feet on this. I can't tell you how many people said, "You got to watch this movie. It's great." Knives Out. I, I have seen that. I have Knives seen Knives Out. Out. Now, well, how does that apply, though? I'm so. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there. Now, the, the language in Knives Out is atrocious. I, I can't stand listening to blasphemy in movies. You know, if you if you slip once, okay, I will beg God for for mercy. You slip it, you know, every five, every fifth sentence. Well, I start to get really mad, and th- there's the problem with that in Knives Out. But the storyline, it. it it's very interesting. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating storyline for sure. Um, but the, r- the reason why I bring all that up is because I was watching Knives Out. I was meditating upon the life of Blessed George, and I wrote a film over the weekend, a blockbuster, blockbuster oh, you, film. You wrote the whole thing, beginning to end. Beginning to end. Saturday evening, I finished it on Sunday, and I sent it to Adrian Fonseca, our new producer. Wow. And he, he agrees. He doesn't need to jump on to confirm this, but he <laughs> agrees that it's a blockbuster potential. It, it definitely is something, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, isn't blockbuster faded out? So it doesn't say very much. Yeah. It's old school. That, that's a good point. You can't that, access that, it. it. She's right. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it belongs to blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> you are like... Tra- time travelers, part so, of Back to the Future Four. <laughs> yes, so it's uh, it's on my list of things to do someday. It's on my bucket list to f- actually uh, produce a uh, a short film. And so I wrote this treaty on this short film that sort of there's a lot of similarities to the life of Blessed George, and and I took some inspiration even out of Knives Out in some of the uh, so the intrigue and the character development. Uh, so uh, lots of inspiration to go around. I remember watching your oldest take his camera, his his uh, phone, and like do this thing where he would spin and then you'd watch it. And I was like, that's really cool. I never <laughs> thought about doing that as a visual. Like that's yeah. so, so basic. And then yeah. we had just had a conversation around that time about how you could do a little film on your camera. Yeah. So I'm curious, yeah. did you actually just use your phone camera? No, I have. I have. I've got a great uh, yeah. camera. I bought it for my documentary film. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh, livingislife.net and uh, I, my plan would be to use that but if I work with people like Adrian he'll probably try to get me to use some other kind of just, camera you know just trying to be better you know yeah but, <laughs> uh, but in all honesty though uh, if I could say something about your yeah. uh, your little uh, movie that we're thinking about <laughs> when you say uh, little why do you have that look in your eye well know. it's only a weekend there's no way you have <laughs> no, enough but, footage to be able to do a whole lot well we haven't we haven't recorded anything but I just wrote the tra- oh. it's just the treatment of the movie oh. uh, but the idea of it is is really really awesome I really think so Thank uh, and I really think that it it can be something that is um, something that's unique that hasn't yeah. really been done, especially uh, not for uh, for Catholics. And I don't want to spoil anything because I honestly think that Joe is going to make this. I think the uh, skydiving from uh, uh, a little know. pricey, little pricey. Yeah. Um, There's a pro life priest in the area that I <laughs> yeah. know that's really been trying to push for me to skydive with really? with Forty Days for Life logo. <laughs> I, I'm serious. This is a real conversation, and I was like. Uh, I think you're talking to the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do skydiving. Okay. So if you do it, yeah. maybe more, you can get in touch come. with him. More to come. Can, yeah. We'll, we'll put you all in contact. And, and summarize it in a sentence mm-hmm. and try to just give people a taste of what, what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I would say it's like uh, the the uh, a dystopian uh, future of America 
of uh, Catholics in the Catacombs. Otherwise known as 2021. <laughs> but uh, okay, so all right, more to come someday in the future. My, as long as my wife's not listening, because uh, we don't want her to know that I'm taking on yet another project. But I hope to uh, someday in the near future film a short film, and uh, it would be fun to do. So we'll tell you about that someday in the future. But uh, today on the program here in just a few minutes, we're going to be speaking with Bree Dale. Well, you know Bree; she's been on many times. She's our go-to for a lot of the headline news, breaking stories. There's lots of stories in the news from a Catholic perspective that we want to cover. We're going to be discussing that with her, the McCarrick Report, uh, Archbishop Gomez's uh, letter to Biden, and more. Uh, plus, we have a political analyst, Brent Haynes, on the program here in just a little while to give us the lowdown on the election. What is the difference between projected winner and certified winner? Certified is what we have to get to. Projected could just be an opinion. We'll discuss that with Brent Haynes in a little while. Also coming up, you know, um, tomorrow is the Marine Corps' birthday. Awesome. Happy birthday, United States Marine Corps. Back in 1775, my Marine Corps came alive. That was a cadence we used to we used to sing while running. That was a lot of fun. And thank um, you for your service. This is a great time to be. Able I was to say tempted that. to sing the Marine Corps hymn for all of you. I had to do that every night at boot camp. I think we should have brought in more Marines to help you with that. <laughs> it it would have been Im- more. Uh, no, I was the only Marine unifying. every night. At boot camp, at bedtime, we would get it. The drill instructor would put us in bed, and before he turned out the lights, he'd make me sing the Marine Corps hymn every night to mm. everyone else because I was the guide, and it was embarrassing. So I will, I will save you that. But uh, happy birthday, U.S. Marines, and to all those Marines out there, thank you for your service for that. Uh, and what thank else? you to all of our military. Tomorrow is the before we jump on with Bree Dale here. Tomorrow is the Fishers of Men event in Houston, Texas. Tim Mott, how are you feeling? You look like you, you look peaceful for a guy who's got a big event tomorrow. Uh, still waters run deep or something like that? Because <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm feeling pretty panicked about it. You know, event planning. Panicked. He looks really chill, though. He does. <laughs> it's an event planning thing. The day before is always like, oh, no, is everything going to work properly? But uh, I managed to get the sound all hooked up on Friday. Amazing. And I've uh, got all the video elements ready to go. Yeah. Father Bill Casey is arriving today. Awesome. I've got his uh, arranged his arrive, really? ride from the airport. I've got the gift baskets for the sponsors that I'm picking up this afternoon. Sweet. We have a relic of St. Michael that Laura Johnson just handed. I know. Uh, it's here on, it's here on the console. Can between, you see it? Can I see it? Uh, it's no. behind the camera, so uh-huh. I don't know if you can see it right now, but I'll have it there at the dinner tomorrow. And uh, I just got more uh, registration, so that registration link, if you want to hear Father Bill Casey's amazing keynote address uh, tomorrow night, Get it done today. Fifty dollars gets you in, and that um, and it, the registration link is only good through tonight. Father Bill Casey is amazing. If you've, I, can, I, I am always dumbfounded when I reach when I meet Catholics who've never heard of Father Bill Casey. Uh, Adrian, put your hand back down. Uh, <laughs> he is a powerful. I when I had my conversion experience and I I discovered Father Bill Casey, I thought, is this guy Baptist? I mean, he preaches with such gravitas, charisma. with such charisma, such power. Uh, you know, he is just he was amazing to listen to. Especially, I'm thinking about his classic Lenten retreat that he filmed in the crypt chapel of uh, the Shrine of Our Lady in Hansville, and. Um, it, it, he's amazing. 
He is really amazing, humble, powerful preacher, and he's going to be our keynote tomorrow night. And guess, here's the kicker. You, you could be anywhere on planet Earth with an internet connection and participate. See, that's the advantage of all these you know, online virtual things. That means that we have no cap on attendance. As many people as can register can join, and it's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be really simple uh, to watch and really fun as well. So, you know, Houston uh, grnonline.com slash Houston Fishers. And then you're supporting Catholic Radio, and which is reaching so many people like I mean I I hear stories from people we share stories I remember the last dinner whenever we were sharing all these touching stories where people who may not walk into a church are turning on their radio and they're like I'll listen to that and I remember just like the encouragement of of listening to Mother Angelica even after she passed away the radio commercial with her saying you know talking about being great saints and I just thought wow you know like we are called to be great saints and you know and and, and not to be afraid of that and just like let let God work through you however he calls you wherever that moment is for the day and so so yeah so it's encouraging and you're so you're supporting that as well so you're doing missionary work Mm. without even leaving your house amen without even having that conversation and you get entertained too so there you go (laughs) one thing i forgot to mention there's going to be prize drawings (laughs) we're giving stuff away we're giving stuff away and everyone that uh, registers you know at grnonline.com slash houston fishers is eligible. All right, check that out. Uh, grnonline.com forward slash Houston Fishers. We've linked up to it on our live video feed over at facebook.com forward slash grnonline. Uh, so check that out there. Now, speaking of social, I want to jump on with Bree Dale here, but uh, golly gee whiz, there's like a big like a parlor, me week. I mean, like there's like 8,000 new platforms, and I'm just like, oh my heavens, another app I have to download. Do I really <laughs> need this? But uh, with that, let's ask Bree Dale. Bree Dale, good morning. Thank you for being a part of the show today. Good morning. How are you? Praise God, I'm alive. Are you? You're, you're on Parlor. I know that because I think I followed you uh, when I signed up. Yeah, to and check you know Parler it's supposed out. to be parlay. Par- oh, like, part you know, part on me. Par- we are we are speaking in the French here. Parlay. Branding right? fail. It's gone to Parlor now because America. Because because America. It's our hard R's, especially here in Texas. <laughs> the Merca filter is no bueno. Okay, uh, so parlay. Uh, do you like? Like Parler, it was I. I looked at it because everybody seemingly is jumping ship to it, and it seems like it's a Twitter replacement. It was really clunky when I looked at it last night. What do you think? Yeah, um, I think that the app has much to be desired, to be honest. And um, you know, I know that they're working on it, so that's a good thing. Um, but. You know, I am really not a fan of the echo chamber. And that's one of the things that I'm really concerned about with um, Parler or Parlay is that uh, we've got a lot of uh, um, conservatives going over, which is always good. It's good to kind of have your tribe, so to speak. But mm-hmm. um, true civil debate, true um, critical thinking comes when you're challenged. And it's one of the things that I really have an issue with, with a lot of these subgroups within the Catholic Church is that, you know, when you think you have all the answers, that's a form of pride, right? Yeah, for uh, sure. But when you, when you think you have a form of all the answers, the likelihood being that you're a human being is that you have a very minute um, understanding mm. of the full truth, who is God, who we cannot grasp, like how St. Thomas Aquinas said at the end of his Summa, when he saw Christ, and Christ said, you've written well of me, Thomas, and he said, after that, I came back, you know, from from this this time of uh, of contemplation. He came back and he and he said to his secretaries, his many secretaries, throw all of this away, throw it into the fire. It's just straw. 
You know, after he well, had contemplated the Trinity. When you, when, you know. said, uh, when you said, have all the answers, you had such a tone. I was wondering if you'd been talking to my wife really about me. <laughs> well, I was, uh, yeah. I was just thinking, though, too, like, because I know one of, the, one of the challenges that it's so easy to fall into is that we want to be able to look at the other side. But, like, I was listening this past weekend to an interview that Chris Wallace did <laughs> with Peter Buttigieg, um, who is now a staffed over at Notre Dame, a Catholic college, at least in name. Um, and it will and it was so frustrating because he was saying like you know we need to all come together and even if you know maybe you noticed in your your social media that all your friends were going to vote for trump and maybe you saw the rallies that were for trump and maybe you saw this but you know the reality is the votes are in blah 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 and i thought the a the votes are not in and this is not a direct quote from him but like the votes are not in it's not settled and there's still there's still discussion and like if we're and it's and it felt like this moment of yes we could be in an echo chamber there is that question you know where we need to question ourselves Mm -hmm. but there's also this like don't don't look don't look around you you know like just because you saw this and and i think what i mean by like don't be don't be in an echo chamber is to understand what the other side is saying in order to be prepared to be able to answer to that right and 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 you know i hate to say sides here but there's you know the truth and then there's people's perspectives <laughs> um you know we'll hear people say my truth well yeah. that doesn't mm. really fly if truth is a person and his name is jesus christ right so speaking of um, which you know sh- it, it, yeah I was going to say, we need to transition, uh, looking at the clock here, we need to transition to some of these stories. (laughs) Uh, There are several Catholic stories in the headlines that I also would love to get your comment on. Uh, Of course, Mm -hmm. we're expecting a a, a McCarrick report. I've heard it's 600 pages long, so not a light read for sure. And I think Cardinal Dolan said it would be a huge black eye for the Catholic Mm -hmm. Church. Honestly, I hoped it would be worse than that. Uh, I think the truth needs to come out. (laughs) What do you think, Bree? What can we expect? I know it's speculation at best, but what do you think we can expect in this McCarrick report? Well, right now I'm online at the press office of the Holy See's um, website uh, for us journalists to see whether or not there is going to be any event this week, any type of scheduled press conference with regards to this. And lo and behold, nothing is on the schedule. Nothing. Um, so that should speak to the first uh, uh, priority here as, as we are seeing this massive document coming out um, to, to consider that there's not even um a, a press conference for the vatican to address the many concerns that are going to be taking place they're just throwing this document out to me is it's unconscionable especially because this has to do with a reflection of the entire catholic church and particularly a, a fairly large condemnation of the u.s catholic church with mm. all of this um secondly i i just want to put it um put it out there to to individuals who are listening to question. I put this out on social media to be skeptical uh, and to be wary because there's going to be a lot in this document um, uh, that are going to be maybe knocking down idealisms of certain individuals who we have seen as potentially very holy. Um, And it doesn't mean that those individuals weren't holy or aren't holy, but it could mean that they're human and they made mistakes. one of the concerns that I have is regards to, um, you know, the fact that McCarrick uh, was made cardinal um, and uh, and he was known uh, by John Paul II and um, Pope Benedict XVI. I'm concerned that there's going to be laying a lot of blame on their pontificates. And I think people need to be prepared for that. And I, I have to say also, don't dismiss it. 
Mm. understand that there could be truth to that but it doesn't mean that they weren't holy individuals it's likely because they made mistakes or they listened to individuals who are advising them i i put out uh, a book that uh, john paul ii wrote right after the sex abuse scandal popped in 2002 and it's called um come let us rise uh, or um come let oh, us no, be on our let way us rise and be on our way yeah, yeah yes right and um in this in this book he discusses um within it uh issues that he had uh that he saw in his own um uh person as a bishop and later as a pope uh it was reflected as well where he really didn't uh, he wasn't someone who was very hard on individuals administrative wise he did a lot of delegation um to his um subordinates uh when it came to administrative or um you know because he was a he was a thinker, he was a teacher, he was a pastoral yes. individual. He didn't want to deal with all of that, and he trusted his advisors. And obviously, that trust um, towards the end of his life, when he was having to face all of this, um, came came home to him yeah. that that was uh, maybe misplaced. So I just want people to understand that. And there are other individuals who there are other reports that will be coming out, mm-hmm. not um, potentially coming from this report, but there are other reports that could be coinciding coming out in the next two weeks that are going to be knocking down individuals who may be considered very, uh, in an idealistic way, um, very holy um, as well on, on certain demographic or certain groups. And I sure. think it's just some important for all of us to kind of step back and look at Christ and not Amen. the monstrance, you know, <laughs> we- and not the instruments. We only have a few minutes left in our conversation with Bree Dale, and right. I, I definitely want to get your comment on at least one other headline here, and that is the uh, the, the the letter uh, from Archbishop Jose Gomez, president of the USCCB, to uh, the alleged uh, presidential elect uh, Joe Biden as being the second president, Catholic president in U.S. history. Uh, what say you, Bree Dale? Well, he did use the word professed, right? Mm-hmm. Not practicing. So Good I think catch. that's something that people need to kind of I, uh, look at. It was very uh, diplomatic in that way. But um, I did ask people, was this premature? Um, because I think people need to, uh, I, I saw, and, you know, this is, has been coming out quite a bit, but we are not a raw democracy, right? We are republic. Um, and because of that, we have the electoral college. And the electoral college is the one that votes, Mm-hmm. Um, based off of what we have in the majority of votes, um, but not always in the states, you know, based off of we've had uh, um, electors go another way before I think in the last election. So we haven't had a president called yet. And because of things being so close, I, I just look at this and I say, why? Why did they not take the prudent step of uh, of looking at this and saying mm, this is maybe not the, the best um a form of communication at this time for us to come out and 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 recognize him as the next president. So um, I I don't I I can't understand it. I've not been able to to get a hold of the USCCB, which is uh, to be honest with you, not a surprise. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's yeah. it's just uh, it's a concern. It's a concern because um, you know the the courts are just now starting on um, litigation. Mm-hmm. And we saw what happened when there was premature announcements with Gore and Bush. Um, this could end up being a, a black eye on the USCCB, and I'm, I'm sure they would like to avoid more of those. You know, <laughs> so yes. um, I hope that there will be an, an a, you know a statement put out just saying you know uh, we did this in in a matter of diplomacy, but we realize that it is maybe pu- premature, and we own that. 
Something to that effect. Just about out of time here with Bree Dale talking about some of these headlines here. Uh, I'm glad we got the, the parlay story in there as well. But uh, just <laughs> a, a, got about a minute left before we must say goodbye. Brent Haynes is coming on uh, next after the break. We're going to be talking about uh, the election and where it stands now. He'll give us the update there. But Bree, uh, what do you make of the uh, Secretary of State of the Vatican, Cardinal Paroline, confirming, or at least allegedly confirming, uh, to papal nuncios around the world that the Pope, in fact, did endorse uh, legal protections for homosexual couples. You know, there's a lot of inner fighting right now behind the scenes. You know, the Pope just uh, stripped the Secretary of State of um, powers overseeing certain properties, including the um, really defamed uh, London uh, debacle. Um, where property was purchased at a very high cost um, under the Secretary of State. So um, from what I understand, there is, seems to be a bit of a, a Vatican two-step, not the D.C. two-step, but a Vatican two-step, uh, kind of a back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the issue here is, and I think people have to realize, I, I put this out on social media, the Pope, this is not the first time he has said this as Pope, CNA would, uh, I think, put out a story saying it was the first time that he confirmed publicly this. No, that's not the case. In 2014, he gave um, an interview to one of the um, the, uh, the most well-respected journals here in Italy, whereupon he did say that he agreed to civil unions of homosexual couples uh, for protections of them under civil law. Uh, again, he has no say one way or another over civil law, right? And he, he reaffirmed later that it had nothing to do with the sacrament of marriage. So, um, and that was in 2014, and that was repeated multiple times. Huff Poe um, printed it, uh, Time Magazine printed it, and it was a big scandal back then. So, why was this re um, resubmitted, and, and how did this come out, especially through the Secretary of State? I think we need to take a look at timing, and that timing does suggest that it was in order to cover up the the renewal of the Sino Vatican deal. All right. Well, that's going to have to do it for now. Praise be to Jesus. Bree Dale, thank you always yes, for, thank being, you for being, here. being on and giving us the latest in breaking news and information around the Catholic world and the world itself. Uh, Bree Dale, uh, we hope to have you on again soon. Thank you very much. Have a nice one. Happy uh, Marine Corps birthday to you, by the way, Bree. Uh, I know you celebrate <laughs> Marine Corps birthday. All you, all you and your Navy buddies, I'm sure. It's a big day on your calendar. Temper five. Temper five. Absolutely. <laughs> go Navy. All right. With that, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back. And uh, my friend, uh, attorney, we'll, we'll let that go. But political analyst Brent Haynes will be on to give us the lowdown on the election results. Where are we? What can we expect in the future? Be right back. You're Don't go anywhere. You're listening to GRN Alive. Now is a great time to call. 877-757-9424. I have to say that Catholic Radio was instrumental in in Sarah and I taking that step into RCIA. And I think it's important for our mis- listeners to know and understand that when they give to Catholic Radio, they are helping families like mine. They really are. They are growing God's kingdom. And, and I think, you know, really for me, sincerely, I want to thank the listeners who do support Catholic Radio. Our spring share begins March 24th. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And who baptized Jesus? 
St. John the Baptist. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network and being part of the family families pray for each other we would be honored if you would let us pray with you and for you you don't even have to tell us your name just go to our website grnonline.com or call our prayer request line and leave us a message at 800-395-4008 that's 800-395-4008 we will be praying for you every day You can turn your unused vehicle into a tax-deductible donation to the Guadalupe Radio Network. It's a lot simpler than you might think, too. Just call 1-866-628-2277 or come by grnonline.com and click Donate Now. One of our representatives will gladly walk you through the process, even arrange pickup. Later model cars or trucks are greatly appreciated. Just call 1-866-628-2277 or come by grnonline.com and click Donate Now. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to GRN Alive Monday. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is great to be with you, but here's, here's some uh, sneak peek information. Soon and very soon, I will no longer be the host of GRN Alive Monday. We have to stick around for the after show, and maybe we'll share the details with you about that coming up in the after show. But right now, joining us live in studio is my good friend, uh, Brent Haynes. He is an attorney, uh, God help him, and he is a political analyst, which I think is probably the best uh, description of you so far. You're brilliant at political analysis. Brent Haynes, welcome back. Well, thank you, Joe, and good morning, everybody. Now, uh, you give me too much credit. I'm sure a lot of the information we'll talk about today. Well, my wife told me I had to say that. Well, she's I've always liked your wife. She's a good woman. She's very fine. Yeah, you should listen to her more. <laughs> okay, move, moving on. Uh, let's, let's just change the subject here. Uh, the, I thought it was very interesting to see the optics of uh, media outlets calling the election you know, as quickly as they possibly could. Even, you know, the the fair and balanced Fox News was very quick to mm. call certain states, for instance. And now we hear we have a, uh, a uh, an elect, you know, Biden has won the election. It's just now a matter of time. And everybody's acting like that's um, that's a done deal. Is that true? Well, legally, it's not a done deal. Legally, it's not a done deal. Maybe you can give us the, uh, what, is, what does it mean to be legally the uh, elected president? Well, as the previous guest was talking about, most people know now, uh, we use an electoral college in the United States, mm-hmm. the Electoral College. Um, that was an ingenious uh, procedure created by the Founding Fathers to reinforce federalism in the United States. Um, the Electoral College process means that the president officially is elected mm-hmm. by the electors of each state. They will convene and vote on December 8th or by December 8th. And or, or they will, or rather, electors will be certified by December eighth. Typically, then they will vote on December fourteenth. Those votes are sent to various officials, such as the president and the vice president and state officials. Then on January sixth, mm-hmm. in Washington D.C., both houses of Congress, the United States House of Representatives and the United States Senate, meet in a joint session, uh, presided over by the current vice president of the United States. And they officially count the votes. Now, by then, 
you know, we know who, who everybody has voted for and how it all turns out. Yeah. So that's the electoral process. The advantage of the Electoral College, by the way, which gets got a lot of criticism after Bush v. Gore in 2000 when Vice yeah. President Gore won the popular vote. The advantage of the Electoral College is that it helps give recognition to our federal system and especially to smaller states. Yeah. Every state gets a certain number of votes, and the number of votes it gets depends on how many people it has in its congressional delegation. Mm-hmm. So every So the minimum number is three. Because a state always has two senators, and it always has at least one member of the House of Representatives. Also, Washington, D.C. gets gets three electoral votes. So we have 435 members of the U.S. House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. We have 100 senators. That's 535. Plus three for Washington, D.C. That's 538. Yeah. So you need 270 to get – that's where that 270 number comes from, to get to that majority. But the genius of the federal of the electoral college, you know, created by our founding fathers, is that it helps to make sure that candidates have to focus on states other than just the big states, such as California, Illinois, New and New York. Yeah, or even Texas, that or matter. even Texas, which yeah. they they were trying to compete in again this year. So uh, I, th- I thought it was funny. I posted a picture of uh, Truman. Holding up a uh, picture, uh, yes. a fo- he was holding up a newspaper with a headline that said "Dewey defeats Truman," and you know Truman's getting a good laugh out of that, right? Because turned out to be not true. And of course, the the pictures of uh, uh, Bush v. Gore and how Gore had 271 electoral votes at least at the time before it was contested. Turns out he didn't win either. So uh, we're being very premature, I would imagine. Well, what makes it more difficult this year is starting with COVID is the mail-in ballot process, mm-hmm. yeah. especially the fact that in several states, several key states, mail-in ballots are allowed to be received and even counted after Election Day. <laughs> and when you have thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of mail-in ballots that are sent out yeah. uh, in states, and they don't come back until after the normal Election Day, mm-hmm. that makes it more questionable as to whether or not you can call the election. Now, historically, if people, when people would mostly vote on Election Day, mm-hmm. uh, they're assuming that in most states you have to register to vote in advance. Uh, pollsters, political observers, campaigns, journalists, they could look at a given precinct, a given county, a given city, a given state, and they would have the numbers to know, well, how many voters are there? How many voters usually vote? How many votes do we have so far? Yeah. But in this election... One thing is, it was historic in that more Americans voted than ever before. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, you have all of those absentee ballots out there. So in a state like Pennsylvania, for example, uh, the legislature passed a law saying, all right, we're going to allow, because of COVID, we're going to allow people to vote by mail. But then the the ballots have to be in by Election Day. By the time the polls close. But then, what do you do in America, Joe, if you can't get a law passed and you want to change the law well some people file lawsuits mm-hmm. and the pennsylvania supreme court which is held by political party that does not stand for life or traditional <laughs> marriage just ruled that voters could have an extra three days to submit their ballots wow that's nice they, they just did this yeah contrary to the state law and this is one of the issues that the uh, Trump campaign was trying to take up to the U.S. Supreme Court in the last several weeks. Mm-hmm. In North Carolina, they can count ballots res- uh, up to nine days after the election. Really? 
But they still have to be postmarked on the 3rd, even if they're counting them. That just means yes. they can't receive them after 9 days, right? So that means the post office better get them... They still have to have them in possession. Which, which brings into, you know, yeah. there's been in at least days. one report of someone claiming to be a postal worker. Oh, right. there's been several. Yeah. In fact, there was a whistleblower that got announced, not only on Project Veritas. Yes. They've had at least one uh, whistleblower there. But uh, I want to say Fox News reported that there's a whistleblower willing to testify before a jury uh, to what he, what he saw uh, as postmarking these ballots to a previous date and sort of falsifying the date that they were received intentionally by order of his superior. And Project Veritas has a good history of uncovering stories and scandals that the mainstream media won't cover. Uh, But those are the two main things that are different in this election is we have historic turnout and we have unprecedented mail-in voting. Well, we also have a situation where, and I thought this was interesting, um, that um, Rudy Giuliani brought up that they're going to be suing in three states as of today. Um, And one of the issues he brought forward was that people who were there to observe the ballots being you know, marked as Democrat or Republican were not able to even see the ballot. So right. only one party right. was able to see it. Yeah. And there were other people that were willing and able and they mm-hmm. showed up to be there and they were, and he said, this is a typical election process. This isn't something that's brand new. This isn't something we invented because of the mail-in yeah. ballots. This is something that has been done um, where a Democrat and a Republican will look at the ballot together and if they agree that it's marked a certain way, then they put it in that pile and yeah. if they don't mark it that if they don't agree then it gets put aside temporarily until they can sort it out and the thing is based on now this is tying in something else that has nothing to do with his his um speech that c-span was reporting on um but there was in project veritas they were showing spoil ballots which the spoil ballots if like say put it aside or they disagree or they say oh this isn't even valid and so they're going to shred it Mm -hmm. it has to be held on to for two to three years wow there's a space for it to be held on so it can be recounted and contested i don't know for how long i don't know how long they can contest it but But yeah, I mean, there's and a lot all of, of this is being broken. Like, you know, what I thought was funny was looking at all the commentary over the weekend about, uh, you know, uh, voter irregularity, some of the glitches that were happening, mm-hmm. some of the, all bo- toward the Biden boxes from- that were showing up at 4 a.m. So, to some of these polling locations. The fact that the, uh, that the absentee ballots from military service personnel had not been yet counted. You mean your mailman doesn't show up at 4 a.m. normally? N- not truckloads of boxes that, tend to go one way for one particular party at 4 a.m. in the morning well after the polls have closed. That seems a lot of shenanigans. But it's the videos that have come out from some of these poll watchers that have been told they have to stand behind a glass in a far room or 30 feet away or whatever. And they're filming some of it. And there was a video, I watched it, I think uh, yesterday evening, mm-hmm. where uh, the poll workers were filling out ballots in plain sight. We were joking before the store like, the Loch Ness monster could only just wish that they had video this clarity. Bigfoot would love to see you know video this clear of shenanigans going on. Adrian Fonseca, uh, I had a question. Uh, so the New York Times tweeted out uh, the role of declaring the winner of a presidential election in the U.S. falls to the news media. Um, and so, uh, could you comment on that? Like, what, what is New York Times talking that's, about? That's convenient. It's true. Right? Yeah, that's, that's convenient. Yeah. Well, sure, when they say declare a winner, they're just saying, okay, we think that this candidate has won, whether they're declaring a winner for yeah. 
president of the United States or governor of a state or the right. local city council. Yeah. Uh, the New York Times, I'm sure, would like to. They can have know, an opinion, just like they I can, can have an opinion. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but that's not how the legal that's process. That's not how works. the legal process works. The votes will yeah. be certified. Now here's a question. So uh, one of my, I've heard there's several potential pathways that this could end up going down. It could it come to a point where the the votes can't actually be properly. There's so much legal, you know, action litigation going on. There's so much, uh, you know, funny business going on with uh, fake ballots, dead people voting. We're seeing all of these types of stories come in. Uh, you know, all of this ballot harvesting. We see all this stuff, right? So is it possible that some of these states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, Nevada, or Arizona, whatever, where they can't ever get to an actual legitimate count of the, the votes prior to the time when this when the uh, the electoral college has to certify the votes if that happens in a given state what what can happen is then congress decides the issue on those votes how does that work uh, when they convene there has to be an objection from a member of the house and from a member of the senate and this is at the state level or the this, national no, level this is in washington dc okay i just want to make sure we're has to be a member of the house <laughs> and a member of the senate and then they they adjourn, they go debate, and then they vote. So what happens is that December 8th, date familiar to all faithful Catholics, uh, if the states get their certification in by December 8th, there's no problem. But if there's a court case, for example, uh, that alleges fraud or voting yeah. irregularities that would call the, call the issue into doubt, and a state's uh, electors aren't able to certify their votes by that date, then that could raise that issue. Now, the problem from the point of view of people who prefer pro-life policies uh, yeah. is that in uh, in this situation, it's not like 2000 in Bush v. Gore, which came down to one state. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of us who are older remember the videos, the news reports of the people sitting there going the chads, ballot by the ballot chads, and the famous yeah. hanging chads, yeah. uh, which, by the way, I'll take every day uh, <laughs> over uh, computer software such as where we have glitches, as they mm -hmm. call them, such as in Michigan, where they found out that the computer software wasn't recording the votes properly. And also, but, the, in two counties in Georgia, they were using the same program, which and they're oh, now they, suing the company. There are only so many of these software programs around. But yeah. to answer your question, uh, the bigger point is that even if one or two states get thrown out at this point, mm -hmm. uh, this election isn't being decided, you know, just by one or two. Um, it, um, but if it gets to the point where Congress has to decide for states that could not come to a legitimate count of their votes, how do you think that's going to play out? Well, it would have to be – enough votes would have to be thrown out that neither candidate gets to 270. Mm -hmm. Then it goes to the House of Representatives, and the House of Representatives votes and elects the president, but it doesn't vote per member – it votes by state. Again, that's our system of federalism. Mm -hmm. Every state gets one vote. And then the Senate would elect the vice president. But, really? Separately? But Separately. But that is, that is just extremely unlikely in our, in our current circumstances because, yeah. um, first of all, just because the state's electors might not be certified on time doesn't mm -hmm. mean Congress is going to throw them out. Mm -hmm. And even if they throw them out, again, it's, it's more than one state. It's not like uh, Bush v. Gore – in uh, 
in Florida in 2000, where everything came down to one state. You know, here we're talking about Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, possibly Arizona and Nevada. Sure. You know, yeah. So it's extreme. It's extremely unlikely. What's Okay, uh, we have a few minutes left in our radio side of our program. We'll stay on for the after show for continuing our conversation for about another half hour on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitter. Not yet on Parlay, but we're working on it. Uh, but you can find us on those platforms by looking uh, for at GRN online. You can participate in the conversation. We've had some comments here. Uh, Josh is there. Debbie's there commenting, and uh, praise God for that. Uh, and you can do that at Facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Find the live video feed. Be a part of our conversation. But in our just our few minutes left, uh, five minutes left in our radio side of the program across the Guadalupe Radio Network, we're talking with political analyst and attorney Brent Haynes about the election. Brent, uh, in your honest opinion, how do you see this playing out? Where, where are we going? What do you think is going to happen in the coming, uh, I'm supposing, weeks now? Yeah, in all likelihood, Joe Biden is going to be president. Kamala Harris is going to be vice president. You really feel that way? Uh, that's, there's just too many obstacles. And even if you can prove voter fraud in some states, you have to prove a lot of voter fraud. Mm-hmm. So, and I say that's in all likelihood. It's not impossible. Something could break that we don't know about at this point. What do you think that does to our country? Well, all eyes are on Georgia now. Uh, The the good news about the uh, election Tuesday from those who, you know, value religious liberty, those who value pro-life policies, those who who support traditional values, marriage. The good news is that the Democrats were expecting the blue wave. They thought they were going to take the Senate. They thought they were going to add to their majority in the House. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they thought that their presidential candidate would win by 7 to 10 percentage points. N- none of that happened. Mm-hmm. They did apparently win the presidency by only a couple of percentage points. But more importantly, they have not yet taken the Senate. And they actually lost almost half of their majority in the House. Now, House races take longer to figure out because there are 435 of them. Mm-hmm. But the Democrats were stunned that at this point, it looks like the Republicans in the House will gain approximately 10 to 12, possibly 13 seats. Is Nancy Pelosi's speaker uh, position up for grabs? Well, there's already been speculation by some moderate Democrats that perhaps they need to moderate because they looked at the results immediately after the election and realized America is not a progressive country. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem from our point of view is the progressives hold the levers of power. Mm. So Nancy, but so somebody mentioned one of the other leaders in the House as possibly being a new speaker, but apparently there's nobody willing to take on that challenge or organized enough to do it at this point. The key point about Georgia is every state gets two senators. Now in Georgia they had a senator up for re-election, yeah, but they also had a senator that was appointed who had to run for election in a special election. Mm-hmm. In Georgia, candidates need fifty percent plus one; they need a majority to win, and in Georgia. The Republican who was up for re-election, Senator Perdue, he fell slightly below 50 percent. Mm. Uh, the other candidates were, were really in a general primary, and the top Republicans, the, the top candidate Republican is going against the next candidate, which is a Democrat. So you're going to have two Republicans running against two Democrats in Georgia. This means everything, because if the Republicans win at least one of those seats and all the senators stay healthy, then... Republicans will have a majority in the Senate, and the Democrats will not be able to get any radical legislation through. They won't be able to get court packages. What are the chances they could could bring in uh, Puerto Rico or Guam as states and then bring in new members? If if 
the Democrats win both seats in Georgia, then as Senator Schumer, the Democratic, then he would be the Democratic majority leader. He was on TV this weekend saying, let's win Georgia, and then we take over the world. Uh, you know, Joe Biden, when he was running, said that they wanted to compl- you know, radically transform America. Now, why you want to transform a country that has the greatest freedom and prosperity? Mm-hmm. You know, that's another question. <laughs> yeah, we'll but, talk about that in the after show. But the point is that if the Democrats win, they can pass by a simple majority. They can grant statehood to D.C. They can grant they can give statehood to Puerto Rico. Now, the people in D.C. and Puerto Rico need to vote for it, show some evidence for it. Yeah. Um, but we know D.C. <clears throat> wants statehood. That's a given. And those are states that are going to elect pro-reproductive rights candidates, as they would put it. Uh, they'll support the more progressive agenda and they'll help lock in. Uh, and they could uh, stack the Supreme Court at that time, too. Oh, and they can absolutely stack the Supreme Court. Do you Court. think if that happens, if that nightmare scenario happens, they have the presidency, they they uh, are able to bring in Puerto Rico and Guam, they stack the House, they stack the Senate, they stack the Supreme Court, will there ever be a conservative Republican president again? Well, there are a lot of people that think uh, that think no, or you know, maybe at some point in the future. But mm. how do you get the House, or how do you get you know how do you get the Senate so that you can pass legislation? Yeah. Um, even if we, the, but that's the good news is that we can <laughs> still hold the Senate. Yeah, and if we do, uh, they can't get anything radical through. Wow, we're going to have to hold that thought. Uh, we're about to uh, say goodbye to our radio side of our audience across the Guadalupe Radio Network. We'll stay on, as I said, to the live video feed on on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube. You can find us in all three platforms just by searching for at GRN online. We'll uh, continue the conversation. we got some good comments going on in the uh, chat box there at facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Josh and uh, Scott are talking about the Electoral College and the need for reform. Maybe we can address that in the after show. But Brent Haynes, political analyst, attorney, thanks for your depressing news today. Thank you, Joe. (laughs) Teresa Camaro, thanks for being here. Uh, Tim Mott for reading the news. Uh, Janine for, uh, uh, Janelle rather, for doing social media and for Adrian Fonseca for producing and David Magianis just for looking super dapper in the corner back there. Thanks for hanging out with us. And if you can hang out with us for the live video feed and the after show, I would love to see you there. You can comment and be a part of our program. Just go to facebook.com forward slash GRN online or go to YouTube and search for GRN online. We're there too. We'll see you on the next show. GRN online Friday with Dave Palmer. Until then, may God richly bless you. Thank you for listening to GRN Alive. From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And take Jesus wherever you go. Hello, my name is Bob Parra, owner of Park Car Care. We're proud sponsors of KATH 910 AM. Our car care is devoted to automotive maintenance and repairs for today's family on the go. Are you looking for that personal touch? Someone who will listen to your problem and give you options that are manageable for you? We now have two locations to serve you. For the U.S. area, 817-685-2222. And for the Northwestern Hills area, 817-281-1388. We're on the web at www.parcarcare.com. Thank you and drive safely. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be His most sacred heart. 
Blessed be his most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen.